0: Welcome back to the Key in the Lake podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now with the mention of whiskey in his title. Hey, this is Jake, on location, not in my basement, hanging out in the Key in the Lake International Recording Studios. We have uh, Callum O'Donnell back with us for, oh, how long has it been? How long has it been? Three weeks, I think. Four weeks. All right, the co-host is back. And we also have another co-host here, Chris Chris Blantner. Hello,
1: Jake. Thanks for having me back. Callum, Trey.
0: Uh, Chris, I wanted to tell you this earlier today. I have that same shirt, but in Navy. So. Oh, very yeah. nice. Yeah, very we great. both have a good style. Well, uh, we are at uh, Benny's on Marcy Street here on location to have a very special interview. And I'm going to let Callum introduce our guest because you kind of arranged us after we've been running around back and forth this uh, of Lincoln Park.
2: Yeah, so we have an extremely <laughs> special guest in Chicago this week. Um, he was very, very gracious to let us drink all of his whiskey last night on a boat in the middle of the lake. We watched the fireworks. Um but all the way in from Kentucky, Mr. Trezeller.
3: I didn't let you, I think I made you drink all that whiskey.
0: <laughs> Forced it down in his little throat there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
3: But it was a good night. Chicago showed its best side. Yeah. Beautiful weather
0: on the lake.
2: Kicked off from a great speech by yours truly.
0: <laughs> you did No, sorry. Oh, this truly. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. I've heard your speeches. Uh no they're bad. <laughs> About. Trey, we, we just have, have lunch, I'm not sure. I, I could see you having a great speech, but his... Well,
3: I think it was colorful. How about that? There you go. I love that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think maybe, uh, I don't know, some Southern sayings maybe came out and, and some <laughs> choice words, but all good.
0: <laughs> I like that. It's a good time to celebrate here in Chicago as summer's right around the corner, I guess technically starting. But it's the best uh, it's best city in the world once we have this kind of weather here. I love Chicago in the summer. You can keep it in the winter, but in the summer, nothing's better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, oh,
2: I, I think that was one of the things, right, that you mentioned in your speech last night, that you've been coming to Chicago for a long time.
3: I've been coming for a long time. The reason I don't come in the winter anymore is because I used to hunker down in bars and get kicked out of places like the Lodge, mm. oh, which, <laughs> Yeah, you got to do something to get Every, kicked out of that. Everybody's been kicked yeah. out of the Lodge by the sure, <laughs> sure <about> it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been, this was my third market. So I started coming up here, I think, in 1998 Okay. and uh, made a lot of friends along the way. have seen this turn from not a bourbon town whatsoever to... I mean, just an enthusiastic, well-educated, knowledgeable, um, just the amount of bourbon bars mm-hmm. now, totally night and day from what it used to be.
0: Yeah, I think you give so much credit to the craft beer scene here that developed, you know, maybe five or six years before the whiskey boom started to happen. But it put, um, put Chicago on the map for having great uh, breweries, but it also gave a chance for its customers and the people all around the city to start developing a good palate, too, for all, for all spirits. Did you to yeah. say Chris?
1: No, I would I would totally agree with that. The um craft beer what it did, especially, you know, the the place across the street from here, mm. what it did for craft beer in Chicago is amazing.
0: We can say their name now cuz we're not recording that. Oh, there. that's true.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, but I agree like now that like opened up people's <laughs> palates to try a, a lot of different things.
0: Right. Absolutely. Trey, will train over, you know, have a ton of time, so kind of the question I asked you earlier this afternoon at lunch, I want to begin with was why'd you start a whiskey distillery in 1997?
3: Well, as you alluded to in 1997, wasn't exactly the smartest thing to do? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, as you said
0: last night, bourbon wasn't in vogue.
2: Bourbon wasn't in vogue. (laughs) I think
3: I said it might've been like going into the newspaper business right now. Yeah. Kind of a dying business. Um, So many doors had shuttered in Kentucky in the not too distant past from then. Um, it really wasn't a lot of logic to do it at the time. Uh, and I think I told you I was too dumb to know better right. today. And uh, that's probably what it was. Um, and it was a tough decade, certainly, for the first 10 years, maybe 15 years. Um, there was really not much enthusiasm for bourbon anywhere other than in my head. Mm. So, uh, you know, growing up in Kentucky, everybody drank bourbon. I yeah. thought everybody drank bourbon everywhere. And it wasn't until I moved to different places that I realized that they don't. And then actually my dad had the blind luck to be on a plane and flip through one of the Delta magazines and he saw an opportunity to buy a barrel of Bushmills Irish Whiskey in 1993. So he and four friends chipped in $1,000 each. They got a three-day golf trip to go with it and they bought a barrel of Bushmills Irish Whiskey that would have turned 25 years uh, on the millennium, 2000. Wow. that's cool. So that they paid the equivalent of $13.50 a bottle when it was bottled up, I think it retailed for $250 a bottle. <laughs> uh, so one, I thought that was good business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great margins. Good? good business. Those are good margins, I think. Those yeah. are <laughs> great margins. And I thought, well, if you can buy a barrel from Scotland, I mean, Ireland, why can't we bar- buy barrels from our friends here in Kentucky? Yeah. So I started knocking on the eight doors uh, that were around and saw it, that uh, I could go ahead and you know, they, were, they had just an ocean of aged liquid sitting around. Mm. and So I went around, kind of cherry-picked some great barrels. Still, nobody wanted right, those right. great <laughs> barrels. <Yeah. laughs> so, what were
0: some of the distilleries you were going around to?
3: Um, contractually, uh, I can't say. I have a lot of contracts with them today. I do a lot of contract distilling with them. Mm. So they would rather that I not mm. disclose who it is. Sure. That being said, I would proudly beat my chest. Um, and I'd love to tell you because they make incredible whiskey, um, but I try to take what they've done, and I put more time, money, and effort to hopefully improve it, certainly to try to change it one way or the other. Hmm. And We've got 22 expressions of Jefferson's bourbon now, 20 of which I do something more than what most distillers do with most of their bourbon, which is distill it, age it, cut it to proof and bottle it. So somewhere in the maturation process, I'm trying to manipulate it one way or the yeah, other. Right. So my own thought is to kind of push the boundaries of what bourbon can be hmm. and the definitions without bastardizing it. Hmm. So it's kind of tipping our hat to tradition. So we're always using, you know, fully mature bourbon mm-hmm. before we start doing something with it. So it's not accelerating the process, hopefully it's enhancing it.
0: Right.
2: And we've talked a lot about this, you know, we're going on, coming on 200 episodes of this podcast. And a lot of the time we've talked about how- A lot of bullshit. Oh, well, I mean, 95% <laughs> of it's been bullshit. That's why we've got you on Trey right, because because, right. yeah. you know, we want this 5% and yeah. then we're going to bullshit <laughs> <Yeah>. Right? Okay. <laughs> uh, but no, I, you know, we've always talked about how there was this kind of romanticized idea about, you know, producing your own whiskey. But I think a lot of people don't realize that, like before I came to America, obviously I'm from a Scotch background. Before I came, I didn't realize that MGP and places like that had such a massive um, impact on on the whiskey world here. You know, I thought everybody was distilling their own whiskeys, mm. and some of the greatest whiskeys that I've tried and we've mentioned them hundreds, mentioned them hundreds <laughs> of times on this podcast. Um, they don't distill their own whiskey, you know, and it's is that something that you've come across and people have said to you, "Oh, you guys don't distill," but.
3: Sure. yeah, I mean, we, you know, non-producer or mm-hmm. non- distiller producers. Um, yeah, I've had people say that uh, we do distill now as well. So I still source today. I still contact, contract distill. That's mainly what we do and then we distill ourselves. So it's a little combination. <laughs> that being said, um, you know we've got big great distilleries making my recipe specifically for me, putting right. it in our barrels specifically for us. And they, I can buy it cheaper than I can make it today, so there's uh, there's an advantage to have that consistency from these distilleries that have been around for hundreds of years. Yeah, people that know what they're doing, and we can also, with our smaller distillery, have flexible to innovate with those. So I think it's kind of the best of both worlds. That being said, you know, do we have ambitions to go ahead and start distilling and controlling? Everything from soup to nuts, we'll probably do that at some point. Oh. And uh, so it's, um, you know, it, it's worked out for me. I set out and I didn't have a pot to piss in uh, back in the day. Um, best I could do was buy a few barrels here and there and try to sell it and try to buy more and more and lay some down. And um, so it was about building the brand for me. Right. And then doing about something, doing something different really, uh, distilling, and it's an unbelievable craft, you know. It's kind of trying to do the same thing over and over, and I wanted to kind of push what we could do with it. Right. So, yeah. And I don't know how to distill. I was going to ask. Most importantly,
0: <laughs> <laughs> would it have been even crazier to actually start a distillery you were producing yourself in 1997 versus doing what you're doing yeah. right now? Or I haven't doing certainly.
3: You know, Back then, going to a bank to build a distillery was not an option. Right. we just said, this is a dying business. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. It's trying to convince somebody to get in the newspaper business right now. I want to build a printing press. Uh, you not know, I going graduated to
0: journalism school in 2009, so I understand what <laughs> you're saying. Yeah, right, right, Yeah. yeah.
3: So, uh, you know, and a lot of the people that have gotten into craft distilleries since then, they made a lot of money somewhere else. I was in my 20s when I started mm-hmm. this, and um, it really wasn't an option Yeah. Mm.
1: So can you talk a little bit about the role of your distillery right now, the the spirit that you're making? Like what is that the role of that whiskey in uh, what you're producing today? Like how will that tie into like your products today or will it stand alone as its own?
3: Okay, so we bought into the Kentucky Artisan Distillery 70 years ago Mm -hmm. and we have not bottled any of that juice as of yet. Yeah. We are about to. okay. But, uh, you know, as I said... Calum pulled out.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, I'm Majin. You know margin.
3: As I said, you know, I'm not trying to cheat a process. I like... To me, I work a lot with six- to eight-year-old bourbon. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our finishings that we're doing, I want to get fully mature bourbon and then be able to get an impact from something else. If it's much over eight years old, then you're not going to get, you know, you've got too much to overcome and so luckily we've had enough that we've we've been allowed to have patience and do things when we think it's right mm. so we're just about there and we're just about to release some of those bots. oh very cool very excited about yeah. that yeah
1: they me make too. some great juice <laughs> me too oh, we yeah. are now <laughs> <as well. Yeah, laughs> you got it you got it
0: no definitely excited for that actually um the night before my wedding we had about a 45-minute bus ride from the place we're getting married at to downtown Indianapolis where we're having a rehearsal dinner and so I grabbed a bottle of Jefferson's bourbon for the bus ride down there and my family being the degenerates they are also brought about three or four coolers of beer and other various products of Alcohol to consume but started passing around that bottle of bourbon. All right. Yeah, before uh, before we got back to the hotel, you know in that hour and a half ride combined that bottle was gone. You know, and it's <laughs> one to bring something different for people that they might not know. I mean, yes, like my some of my friends and I, we drink a lot of bourbon, drink a lot of whiskey in general. But for people that are just regular, maybe just Jack or Jim people and drink Bush Light and Miller Light, all that good stuff. Uh, I was trying to show something different to them and share bourbon from across uh, across a different pl- path, I guess.
3: You get it. We've been in business for 25 years, but we're still a discovery brand. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're one of... <laughs> Probably five different companies that I would call, or brands that I would call mid-majors.
0: I like that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So, You're the know, Gonzagas of, of college. There, ra- you, there of you go. Bourbon, yeah. Well, I guess they're kind of a big team now, but uh, something right. like but that.
3: Right, but that's really what we are, you know. you know. The big eight that were around when I started are still there, and they, you know, those are massive companies. Um, there's a few, and a lot of them started about the same time that I did, mm-hmm.
0: that, uh, that have endured. How do you think, so the, as Callum mentioned, MGP plays a huge factor in American whiskey and you guys are blending, doing that craftsmanship of your own to bring something different to the whiskey world back then and 25 years ago, but now we see so many distilleries doing that. Do you think that as more distilleries are taking, sourcing barrels and then doing the blending themselves and kind of creating their own style of whiskey, creating their own art in a way, it's helped Jefferson grow as a brand? Mm, That's a good question. Uh, yeah, probably. Okay.
3: Um, I, you know, the non-distiller producer is probably not the dirty word that it once was. Right. And I think uh, really where that got a bad reputation were people that you know basically bought MGP or something and just stuck a label on it. Right. Didn't do anything with it. Yeah. So you know they make fantastic whiskey. Um, so do a lot of other distilleries. Mm-hmm. Uh I think. Until you do something to make it your own, then you know. Then you owe it to them.
2: Yeah. Until you yeah, until yeah. you change it, like you said. Yeah. Or or better it in some in some circumstances or you
3: know. Yeah, you know, I try to make it better, but you know some people like it the way it is, which is great. But yeah, if you
2: don't do anything to it, if you just like you say, slap a label on it. Yeah. They you know, owe, then, a lot, then, you owe then, almost everything, right? To right. that. To yeah, that
3: Absolutely, yeah. and you know, and there's really there's nothing wrong with that either, other than if you're a consumer. Why pay more for something that's the same thing? Right. Other than that, no. So I think, yeah, in a sense, yes, it has helped. And I think we kind of opened the door for that, too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Besides ourselves and Willet, you know, I think we were the only ones doing anything like that at the time.
0: Hmm. And now we have yeah, so many other brands doing it. Um, we'll just get it out of the way right now. Pinhook's doing that. <laughs> We're contractually obligated to mention Pinhook on every okay. podcast. <laughs> but We're actually not contractually. Uh, we just fucking love the whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Chris and I actually chose a barrel pick uh, last week. Was that last week? Yeah. Seems hey, like well, a, well, it Seems yeah. like a month ago. Yeah. But um, yeah, but we love that. We love what they're doing and other other distilleries are doing by taking wherever they're buying the whiskey, but choosing barrels letting their atmosphere come into play and making a whiskey that's, you know, it's already been made, but choosing the area they're around and making that that atmosphere of wherever they're they're blending and wherever they're barrel aging at into a whole new form of whiskey, which you guys are obviously doing in Kentucky and then also doing in other parts of the world too, which brings you to Chicago for the release of uh, the Ocean Rye.
3: Correct, yeah, which... Since we are here and we're talking about the ocean rye, we should talk about the ocean rye. Yeah. 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 If you want to. You
0: don't have to. to. to, (laughs) to. Um, I think that's obviously uh, one reason why we're talking, but what I loved about learning from your distiller over the last four or five years of drinking it is how much history comes into play with everything you guys are doing at your distillery. It's um, something near and dear to my heart is about learning about the the history of bourbon, the history of whiskey. Where does this all come from? Then you understa- start understanding the story of America more once you start understanding the story of whiskey and how those two colori- correlate together.
3: Absolutely. And you know, why did bourbon blow up in the first place? Right. You a lot of people will say Don Draper. Some will say the classic (laughs) cocktails. Other people will say 2008 economy went south. People were looking for value. If you ask me, it was a smartphone. It gave people the ability to dig in and geek out. Interesting. And, you know, vodka was king prior to that. Once, uh, Once people were able to dig in and get the history and get the knowledge of what people are doing with different whiskeys and how they're different, they could go ahead and share a bottle and share a story at the
1: time. Yeah. It's tough to do with vodka, mm. yes. so I, I, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got plenty of <laughs> <obviously> <laughs> There's right. not many uh, great great grandmother recipes for uh, for vodka out no, there. I don't no. I don't think. Well, I mean, maybe in like Eastern Russia. Europe where yeah, you yeah. you know bury the stuff under the ground and yeah.
3: I say it's kind of like something about Mary. You remember when mm. Ben Spiller picks up the hitchhiker, <laughs> and the hitchhiker comes up with the idea right, who turned out to be a murderer, but it's uh, <laughs> Great knowledge so, this one. <laughs> seven minute abs. Forget seven minute abs. I'm coming out with six minute abs. Yeah. Ben Stiller said, "Well, why don't you do five minute abs?" Oh, nobody's going to buy that. <laughs> <laughs> that was vodka five times distilled, six yeah, times distilled. Yeah, exactly. Still. Yeah. So, you know, I love that. There's oh. so much more, and it, a lot of it's history. And that's, to tell you the truth, that's really why I got in the business. It was more Kentucky pride yeah. and history. Than anything. My eighth generation grandmother is documented as the first woman in American whiskey through arrest records. She was arrested for moonshining and bootlegging in 1799. <laughs> wow. If you went to my grandmother's house, she didn't ask you what you wanted to drink, rather, how do you take your whiskey? Mm. So, you know, that, that was just a part of us. And then my dad and my uncle were two big Kentucky historians. My uncle had the largest library on Kentucky history. And my dad's gone on to write. A number of books on bourbon, but he's on his sixth edition of a book cleverly titled Bourbon in Kentucky. Nice. Wow. That's where a, he's, where I, did he come up with that? i you tell you what. We're <laughs> <laughs> you know, creative like that. <laughs> <laughs> those, those dollars, look out. It. Oh. But uh, it's not the most exciting read, but he has found over 2,800 distilleries that wow. paid taxes in Kentucky alone. Wow. wow. And it, it'll tell you how many bushels of corn a year that they, you yeah, know. Distilled and who the ownership was. So it was a passion of digging into the history. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, Jefferson's Ocean, a couple of years ago, I had the idea that Jefferson's Ocean tasted more like what people were drinking on the East Coast that was coming from Kentucky mm. than Kentucky bourbon that's now distilled and aged in Kentucky. So I replicated doing that journey of floating barrels down the ohio river to the mississippi river and took another boat down to key west and another boat from key west to fort lauderdale and then finally hitchhiked a ride after we destroyed one boat from (laughs) fort lauderdale to new york we you know did it historically accurate so we took off, or we distilled it in january took off in june landed a year to the date that we took off Mm -hmm. and that whiskey turned into bourbon for the first time when they did that back in the day and that whiskey that we did on that voyage it was as dark as a 16-year-old bourbon that had been double-barreled for five years. It was absolutely the smoothest bourbon that I've ever had. I could tell you it was a little young because it was you know, a little grainy up front. But that's what made bourbon proliferate in Kentucky because they would pay so much more for something that had— it traveled. Yeah.
1: Yeah, took the, the edge off.
3: You got it. Completely did. And so you know, I didn't think about that when we put barrels on uh, boats originally— um, but looking back at it, that's exactly what it was. And Absolutely. as you were talking about naysayers, yeah, you know, when we came out with the yeah. Jefferson's Ocean, a lot of people said, "That's that's not traditional aging. That's not, In fact, it's how it originally aged."
1: John. Yeah, right. For I was real. just going
0: to ask you, what do people? What do you say to people when they ask you, "Is this a gimmick?" Um, taste it. <laughs> love that and then you won't then, you won't then then you again. won't try yeah, any yeah.
3: <laughs> almost everybody that's written about it has said something similar the first paragraph i thought this was a marketing gimmick. yeah yeah and then i tried it
0: actually both of our whiskeys were just written up in the same article about like whiskeys to drink this summer and that was the first line of, for you guys is and that right yeah i'm like, right? I'm yeah. like,
3: I'm like yeah. oh there you go yeah that's so S-
0: still how many years later it's the, the still the opening paragraph right
3: 15 years later yeah we've actually i put barrels on the ship for the first time in 2008 okay. took them off so that was Newfill that i took off in 2012 so it traveled for three and a half years um how many barrels five barrels okay. only three made it back <laughs> <laughs> the crew one of which is named Juan, i named those two barrels Juan chairs there you go <laughs> they said that the barrel the bands had corroded and yeah. burst but i got um, a theory on that <laughs>
1: one
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> well i was Corrodes. gonna say that i was gonna say that like What, you know, the first few times you did it, were you not thinking, I'm gonna put these really good bourbon distillates in these barrels and I'm gonna put them on this boat with these sailors who are renowned for having a bevy. Were you not thinking, how am I gonna be sure that these barrels make it to the other side? I I had my doubts (laughs) and they
3: they were substantiated. So uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, when, we, when I put the barrels on the Jefferson's journey, mm-hmm. I loaded up that boat with finished case goods. Ah, oh, nice. I was like, drink this, not that.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Is this the first guy you
3: hired? This is the first guy that I hired. you yeah. got to bribe
2: him, man. Yeah. you got to bribe him. Look, don't yeah. drink the stuff in the piles. It won't taste as good as the right. stuff in the bottles, okay? Exactly. <laughs>
0: Was there any doubt that it wouldn't work? That you wouldn't get these flavors and profiles that you're looking for? Or did it, would it I didn't have
3: any idea when we put it on the ocean, right? The yeah. first time, I didn't know what it would taste like. Um, I just knew that it would force maturation in a different way than it does in Kentucky. So, you know, it's really the idea came from watching the whiskey slosh back and forth in my bottle, mm-hmm. and thought that would happen in a barrel. And so instead of waiting for seasons to take bourbon in and out of the wood. It would happen, as we're watching it on the shaky table right now, mm-hmm. watching it rock back and forth right now. And, um, you know, I didn't have a clue that the salt air would permeate the barrel. I didn't realize that, that the heat would caramelize the sugars in the wood. So, you know, it, it surpassed my expectations. Yeah.
0: Were there any other experimentations you were doing with barrel aging before uh, the ship's? Not,
3: uh, I was experimenting with different types of barrels at okay. the time, but mm-hmm. not different
0: environments and agitation. Okay, are the same uh, that first uh voyage were they all the same barrels, like same uh-huh. char and everything? You got it, got it. Yep, do you, you a know the level on char on that? It was char three, okay, pretty standard. So on that.
3: Yeah, it's pretty standard. It and uh, I don't know if I've shown you guys what those first bottles look like.
0: I think, yeah, how dark that one was yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man
3: it was black it was so viscous
2: I I have a question that's a little bit removed from this was there you know you you mentioned how that when you started 1997 or the first time you came to Chicago 1998 Bourbon wasn't in vogue this wasn't something that was happening the dawn of the smartphone the crisis whatever it was that, that spurred people onto this that wasn't until 11 years later plus was there ever a moment in those 11 years or even after that you thought this isn't going to work like plan a yeah a lot of times root one is there one that sticks out that you think like you were in the dumps and it was about over but maybe you know you were like right one more we'll step up to bat one more time you know
3: well back then i used to get orders off a fax machine (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. with the thermal paper that rolled over oh yeah and they would roll off the fax machine onto the floor and you know Walk in in the morning, All right, we got an order for 30 cases, right? (laughs) (laughs) But from the time the Kentucky Derby ran until college football kicked off, there was not an order coming off that. It was so seasonal back then. So I started selling to Australia, then I came up with Pink and Vegas Energy Drink. Started selling pink and Vegas Energy Drink. Oh, all right, yeah, yeah. Pink was starting to Mind take off. Talents. Yeah. talents, I came up with Pink Two O water fortified with vitamins, and minerals, essential to women's health. That had some more success. So I came out with Pink Chardonnay, which was in a pink opaque bottle. Uh-huh. So that was that was.
2: <laughs> and these were all things to keep you going on this street.
3: Correct. Wow. So I was using the funds on that to go ahead and reinvest it in here so bourbon was my passion but that was keeping the lights on mm.
2: hmm.
0: so actually thanks pink
2: yeah thank <laughs> you, yeah. you now he has
0: the pink microphone as well <laughs> i don't it's know fate. if
3: you know the guys from bourbon pursuit yeah. but they heard that story and one of the guys uh ryan who also takes care of my lot gives me so much shit
2: it's <laughs> oh, a pink energy drink guy <laughs> oh man Ladies Vitamins, let's go.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what made you keep going with that? I mean, like you said, like, Chicago wasn't even, I would even say it was even a drinking city other than you know beer and a shot till like 2008, 2009, maybe 2010, when some restaurants started developing here, the cocktail scene started to take off. But even over the last five years, it's changed so dramatically. I mean, COVID had an effect on it, and now things are just kind of reopening. But you know, what made you keep going, thinking that bourbon was going to be the future?
3: Just passion. Yeah. Just loved it, and uh, the people that I met loved that. I was like, I don't want to get into a different industry. Yeah. Yeah. I love this too much. So it's, it's been a lot of fun.
2: And what does your old man think? Obviously, he's you could. I don't know if you would say that he's a bourbon historian, but someone that's written you know six, seven volumes of bourbon in Kentucky, like what does he say to you now? Because obviously, this has become. You know, at the start, was was there ever a moment when he was like, you know, Trey, come on, buddy. (laughs) This is not happening. Go get a job. I'm never putting you in this. Just just buy Irish (laughs) whiskey. You're never going to buy Irish whiskey. You're never (laughs) going in this book, mate, so give it up. And then (laughs) nowadays, he must (laughs) be like, oh, like, do you want to sign a copy? You know, like.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, so he helped me for the first couple years. He did a lot of the. He was an attorney by trade. He did. uh, He practiced law for 14 years. So he submitted every application for every cola, for every uh, state. Uh, that we opened up he would do all that all that work and so we would go to whiskey fests and things like that together so it was a passion that we could share but i got to take him uh to ireland and france uh, about a month ago and we went to jameson and martel cognac wow. and the palace ever the and everything yeah, the martel house and stuff yeah. yeah we sure did and uh to have the opportunity to do that together is uh, so
1: special very cool yeah yeah Huh. that's awesome.
0: How do you keep relating the brand back to history? I mean, obviously the voyages are kinda of going on paths that um or routes that for bourbon going down the rivers and going from you know, the south or north to New Orleans and all of that, but is there anything new that you're doing with it to honor the past? Well yes and no. So I've got you know,
3: I think two really great uh innovations I think coming up. One really ties into history. Okay. And it's uh, gonna be kind of a tribute to uh, someone in my family that um, that was uh, one of the pioneers. Mm. And then uh, the second one, I think is gonna be really, really different than anything that else has ever been done. And that's not looking to the past, but to the future.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: When when are, can we like, we don't need to know the details, but is there like, a timeline on these <laughs> that you could that you could tease us with Trey
3: so February January oh. February for the one that's looking back mm-hmm. and June for
0: the one that's so a year from now okay,
1: okay. yeah, yeah. Oh. cool that's very cool it's cool
0: Yeah. so everything obviously started with the bourbon at sea but now you're doing rye what is there any reason for that
3: you know it's been a natural we're on our 28th voyage now um, I thought about doing this years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got 22 different expressions of Jefferson's. One of those is ocean, but that has five within there. Uh, we've done two ryes other than this. One was a 10 year old rye that we had years ago. Um, and then we did a cognac finish rye. Okay. I wanted to make this kind of like the cognac rye, which I'm not a big cocktail guy. Mm. I like to drink things. Almost everything I drink typically is on the rocks. So I wanted to make this a sipping rye. And I wanted to put some weight on it, which I thought was gonna happen just from the caramelization in the barrels. But with this specifically, I thought, all right, so these were in new barrels uh, for about five years. Mm-hmm. Then we uh, double-barreled them. So 75% of that second barreling is in char three barrels. 25% are in uh, toasted barrels. So I wanted to give it a little bit of that marshmallow mellow taste, but not overpowering it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why that it did 25% that I thought would also help kind of elongate that, that drink. Um, and then we put it on the oceans, and it went to 30 ports on five continents crossing the equator four times.
0: So you can kind of guess what, you, what might happen to the barrels over time now versus I'm sure the first couple of times you're just like, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. <laughs> well, I didn't put, you know, I put a barrel
3: or two barrels on a previous voyage uh-huh. and let those come back before gotcha. I, before I sent hundreds of barrels out. That makes more sense. How many Here. are you
0: sending at a time now?
3: We've got 2,500 barrels on the water right now. Wow. So up from five. <laughs> then I came back with three. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, and these voyages last how long?
3: About eight months, six right. to eight months, depending. So, so, all of them except for the first and the 24th have been on the same voyage that goes out of savannah down through the panama canal around Mm -hmm. australia up china japan canada west coast of the u.s back through the panama canal up the east coast of the u.s over to the north sea in europe before coming back to the east coast and then coming in voyage one was um was in a hot humid environment the entire time Mm -hmm. as is voyage 24. Mm -hmm. so Voyage 24, we just kind of figure eight throughout the uh, Caribbean. So it was all heat and humidity.
0: Because <laughs> you're not leaving at the same time of year, right? Excuse me? You're not leaving at the same time of the
3: year. No, we or, leave like? at different times of year. That shouldn't make a difference because we spend about equal time in the southern and nor- northern hemisphere. Mm-hmm. That being said, each voyage tastes marketably different based on what it encounters. Um, we have a ship's log, and we're able to get the data to... With the daily sea conditions, whether it's calm, moderate, rough, or very rough, and day, uh, sea or average temperatures, so I think uh, 90 or excuse me, voyage 24 uh, never got less than 93 degrees in those containers. Wow! So wow. I mean, it's exploding into that wood. It's right. just, yeah, and it brings out the good part
2: of the wood. Yeah. Have you ever like considered going out and spending like a week on a ship?
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've spent some time on. The ship that went throughout the Caribbean. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Of
2: course you did. Of course right. you did. <laughs> they are going to like, the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico. Right. You know, it's like, well, guys, if you need me, you, need know, you got it. I need a deckhand. Yeah. <laughs> right. There you you go. got it. Someone need go. make, make pina coladas. You know what I mean? Right.
0: You never know. So, <laughs> Do you, yeah. people know what you're bringing in the port? Like, Is is there a party kind of waiting for you guys?
3: No. Well, <laughs> we, we've we got, I think, 60-something containers now. Okay. We've got yeah. two that are decorated that say Jefferson's Ocean mm, on it. Okay. and It's like you know. you're on a touring bus. <laughs> so we didn't want to advertise too much. We got lots of whiskey in here. Yeah, don't right,
1: tell right. anybody. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. No, don't want get, to get hit by any pirates. Right, right. What's the longest you spent um, on a trip? With no, just girl? a couple of days. Okay, nothing yeah. too crazy. Yeah. Any crazy stories?
3: <laughs> well, When we took the boat... <sighs> We took the two barrels from uh, New Orleans down to Key West. Yeah. We, we,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Keep us close to the chest. I, I like that look. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Everybody uns- was humble. Hung the hungover. unspeakable. <laughs>
3: uh, uh, everybody had their sea legs. That morning. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah it, was, uh, <laughs> it was a hell of a trip. <laughs> this.
1: This rye though how how you double barreled it, and you wanted you were looking for some of those specific flavors in this. I think this is such a a, a wonderful expression, and you get like mm. some really great marshmallow flavor, and I get like a lot of leather on this too, mm-hmm. and tobacco mm-hmm. uh, like, yeah, we really on about. the finish, um, really nicely done. Chris is gonna change his handle to the rye Urbanist <laughs> yeah. And yeah. instead of the bourbon. I, I have been leaning towards the rye's for quite some time now. This is a nice one.
3: And like I said, I wanted to make it a, a drinkable, sippable yeah. rye. I think it's gonna be great in cocktails, but I wanted mm-hmm. it just something that I could and I did around the outdoor fireplaces when it came back we we knocked off quite a bit right around there.
2: Is there one that is there a you know, twenty two flavor or twenty two expressions? Is the one that stands out to you? That you look back obviously you mentioned the 10 year old dry obviously i'm sure we all have heard and know of the the presidential series things like that but is there something that you look back on and you think damn that was that was the one
3: well the first voyage is you know one there was so few bottles so they're yeah. so treasured um and that you know you can't replicate that that was three and a half years on the water in wow. a really hot and humid environment Voyage thirteen, I think it was, got hit by three named storms in the North Atlantic. So our yield from it was like thirty five to forty so percent. Two thousand
2: sixteen or two thousand fifteen with Maria and Matthew. Yeah. And yeah,
3: I think so. And uh so that one just got beat to hell, which caused an extreme amount of angel share, mm. which really condensed the bourbon and made it extremely briny. Hmm. so people either love that voyage or they don't like that voyage so it's great we've got um an event going on on saturday at the distillery for the jefferson's ocean fan club page which is an organically formed group that uh just loved ocean and everything about it and started this this fan club and they they're unbelievably active they're uh you know Somebody will find
0: a, a new batch.
3: What
2: time does that start? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll be down. <laughs> you got <laughs> it. That's Four not o'clock. Farmer
0: drive, <laughs> I got to be in Texas on Monday, so I'll just keep going south. Yeah, yeah, I mean, come on. We can do it. You got it.
3: Absolutely. It's going to be a blast. Um... So, you know, they all have their own favorites, and it's fun to watch them debate it. I love going into bars and ordering the Jefferson's Ocean, and they ask See, me which voyage. Right. Yeah,
0: nice. Yeah, that's cool. What's that feeling like from going back 25 years when nobody was buying bourbon to now where there's organic fan clubs and people are coming to collect your whiskey?
3: It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier pushing the rock. More downhill than straight uphill. I thought it was going to fall back on me and roll me over. Now it's hard to keep up with.
2: I think the cool thing is is that, like, you know, obviously the only person that's going to know your journey is you and, you know, in some essence, your father as well. But, like, looking back and thinking about, you know, all the sleepless nights when you're thinking, okay, I need to make a lady's vitamin water <laughs> right. to keep this thing alive. <laughs> yeah. To nowadays when you probably go to bed and you're thinking, How are we gonna get five hundred cases to X person? You got it's it. just such a rift, right? right? Like you go from worrying about are we gonna be able to keep the lights on like you said to Man it's way too bright in here, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, now it's trying to keep up with production. Right. Try to get ahead of it. Um
3: so <laughs> which is a lot more fun problem to have.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
3: But uh but it's still a problem and uh, you know, that's, that's why we're taking steps to, to try to get there. But, yeah, it's uh, it's been a hell of a 25 years and a lot of fun.
0: Looking back on how distilleries kind of overshot the future of whiskey and bourbon um, in years past, decades past, and they made too much trying to predict into the future. Do you think that could happen today? Was, was It happening will happen sometime.
3: Yeah. It will. Everything goes in cycles. Um, from my perch again i think the the smartphone had a lot to do with this people could dig in it's hard to go from the renaissance back into the dark ages Mm -hmm. so unless there's a category that you know comes up that doesn't have something that you can geek out on it's going to be hard to go back and you know see a back bar that has 50 vodkas again yeah will it happen something's going to change for sure. That's the only Unless thing Unless it's a vodka bar. Yeah. They, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Next big thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. You're in that I mean, for like, how many yeah. years
0: have we been <laughs> hearing yeah. this? Yeah. 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 The 12, yeah. 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 When you were a teenager, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. all that good stuff. No, I, I agree with you on that. There's something will obviously make this burst, but how to go back on that where we see all, like how many bars now are great whiskey bars, they don't even sell themselves as a whiskey bar. Like last night I'm sitting at Etta, and it's known as f- for food. It's known for cocktails. But then you look at the back bar and they have a hundred great whiskeys. Yeah. Right. And right. they have two locations of that. They're not even trying to do that. They're just trying to categorize something for, for the masses. And then you look at, look up and you have single malts from all over the world. You have all these bourbon varieties, all these rye varieties. And whiskeys like this are kind of creating a whole new, not category on the shelf, but a whole new placement on the shelf as in we're doing something different. Like we're taking the traditions, sure. but then building our own traditions too. Right,
3: right. Yeah, I can agree with you. And that it's, you know, anybody that had 50 bourbons before—that's a bourbon bar. Right but now, it's just a bar. Right. Yeah. You're you <laughs> once. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: okay. You've got unlimited money, right? <laughs> okay. Money's not an option. Which, you know, maybe it isn't. Who knows, right? <laughs> maybe the lights truly are on at, <laughs> at Jefferson's. You can go anywhere in the world. And you can have a Jeffersons with anyone, dead or alive. You can't say you're old man, though. Because okay. I know you were going to say, I know you were going to be like, well, I'm an old man at Maison de Martel in France. But where are you going and who with?
3: Might be Thomas Jefferson oh. at Chateau Sudero, where we finished some uh, bourbon in their barrels. Wow. And he visited Chateau Sudero, loved it, wrote about it, served at the White House and sellered it in Monticello. So, that seems like an easy one right
0: there. It's the first time I've asked that question, but we're yeah, not gonna yeah, get a better yeah. answer than that. That's, first of <laughs> all, that's a great answer. And it was fast, that yeah. was fast. Oh, Love that it. is amazing. Yeah. Are you sourcing barrels from all over the world? Uh, I source from a lot of different places, yeah. yeah. You're trying to bring in different flavors to that as you're talking with this rye, or is there an idea built around, or is it just about, hey, we have these and we can play around with them?
3: Well, so, you know, we were early on in finishing barrels um and at the time that was kind of breakthrough and i wasn't like i don't like port or sherry so i didn't use traditional barrels that people would finish and mm. i wanted to do, bring in flavors that i like so i started with cabernets i love big cabs when i'm mm-hmm. not drinking bourbon big cab is one of my favorites so i started with croth winery out of napa uh the chapelays they're P- pritchard hill um and then I took a Bordeaux from from France that Thomas Jefferson also visited, which was Pichon Baron. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, cognac and rye just seem to go together for me. Yeah, so right. it's not like I'm <laughs> Out there, seeking out barrels just to see what the hell will this do. Although I've got a lot of barrels that we're experimenting with that haven't been used, mm. so a lot of new barrels with new things going on with them. And we've created our own proprietary barrels, um, but
2: I think there's always gonna had like an angle that you were going for. There was always a flavor you were chasing.
3: Well, you know, I've never created a product. To get a specific flavor. Mm. Or I've never sat in my office. As I told somebody the other day, I've never had a damn good idea in my <laughs> office in my life. <laughs> uh, I don't want to create out of a boardroom. Right. Create after having drinks with somebody. And you know, I love to collaborate with different people that are experts in different categories that bring a different lens into the bourbon world. Mm. Sometimes you can't see the forest through the trees. But when you're working with somebody that's you know,
2: brand new or whatever.
3: Yeah. Either brand new or, you know, they're an expert in something else. So they've got a totally different skill set and they see things through, you know, different colored glasses. So when we get together and have a drink or three, we
0: can, you know, kind of blend our worlds to come up with a good idea. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, because I think a lot of distilleries right now are just blending things or finishing things. I should say, I shouldn't say blending, I should say finishing Just to have a different finish out on the shelf, and it's not really a thought of purpose about does this finish represent our distillery? Does it represent the place that we come from as a distillery? I think what's advantage advantageous for you guys is yeah, you're based out of Kentucky, but you're kind of like a world distillery in the way when you're sourcing these barrels from all over the place, you're taking this whiskey on a journey of itself. You're honoring history, not just American history, with whiskey, but whiskey from all or spirits from all across the world, and you can kind of say, well, we're Jefferson. That's an American distillery, but ribs in the place of the world
3: we've got a globe in the distillery right next to the big shark that's hanging down the 12 foot 7 inch great white jefferson or shark (laughs) named jefferson but next to it it's kind of a spread out globe like you see on the back of a jefferson's bottle with a bottle from every part of the world that we've originated or it's contributed to our products
0: right that's cool you guys it seems that you're almost writing an own your own chapter in that history of bourbon what were you doing you know again mother of necessity
3: invention um, <laughs> I knew I d- couldn't just make a traditional bourbon mm-hmm. certainly at a time when people didn't want any bourbon in the first place <laughs> yeah what am I going to do out distill Jimmy Russell <laughs> try it <laughs> <laughs> yeah right okay see what happens <laughs> yeah good luck right yeah so you know I had to I had to do something that was unique to us. So, yeah, it's, you know, and timing was a lot, one, why do you do it? Nobody else wanted to do it because it just wasn't a good business decision. But, you know, it afforded me, you know, I had access to a lot of different things. So I had the time and, you know, I don't distill. So I had time to play around and experiment.
0: Do you think the proliferation of craft distillings or small distilleries across America has helped your brand? Or is it just created more competition?
3: Um, You know, it's kind of like, yeah, I think at the end of the day, for sure. Because, you know, more people are out there willing to try different things. You know, back 25 years ago, people were brand loyal. Right. My great uncle lived in New Orleans. I'd send him all the bourbon he wanted. I like my Jack Daniels. Yeah, yeah. I I like my Jack Daniels. Yeah. Even from his nephew. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've got free Jeffersons for you. I like my Jack Daniels. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I know how that goes. So, you know, now there's there are so many consumers that are open Mm -hmm. to things. Yeah. I can't. I don't know where people get the money to buy this. When I was 22 years old. Yeah, uh, we you know, asked
0: that question all the time I don't I don't know my God. My you know,
3: where did, and it's you know it's amazing I go into bars from Brooklyn to down the street here and order Jefferson's ocean on the rocks nope won't serve that to you it's too good to put it on in the rocks I'm like okay can I get a side of glass or ice as well <laughs> yeah. okay yeah. <You> know, <laughs> That's a compliment at the end of the day. Yeah. So, you know, that wouldn't happen unless there was a whole craft movement to, to get
0: behind it. Right. Yeah. Huh. Well, I know we're coming up on time. Is that correct? I, yeah. I, I did want to share something with everybody. Um, so the, the stiller I work for, uh, we did a seafarer whiskey as well. Did it one time. Traveled 95,000 nautical miles. And uh, we left one of the barrels on port and we had one barrel out at sea. Never knew when to open this, but at lunch today I was like, "Today's the day!" Fantastic! Yeah. Awesome. So I don't that's know what gonna, I don't know what's going to taste like. It's
3: that's
2: been sitting in his place for ages, by the way. This
3: and is and huge. Year, three
0: and a half years. This oh is huge man, for us. This, this is huge. Is that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. What a, what so it's what a single treat. single malt barrel aged in a Shiraz cast from Australia. Um, uh, three years. It was about a two and a half years um, in the warehouse, and then we put it out at sea for ninety five thousand nautical miles. A little over a year, I think, it was at sea. Oh, how many barrels went out? Just one. No shit. Yeah, so they just did a... Uh, kind I've of never heard of so anybody this else is doing D1. it. So yeah, the we don't really advertise it because we did it a number of, I think, four or five years ago and when it came out. So, um, yeah. Please, I'd be honored if you pour it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get some photos of this, this too. This is amazing. Yeah, so we released it, um, and then it came in a box that basically had a bottle of each uh one from each barrel um and a 375 for each bottle so you got one that was left at sea and or one out at sea and one left at port to see what the differences were in we taste our yes. so
3: we did two barrels and we bottled them up together with one that aged in kentucky okay.
0: there we go that's okay <laughs> um no yeah so got this while my i traveled over to australia a little over three years ago and as a gift to my boss and I'm glad we can be here today. Enjoy it. This Here's is all Thank you very yeah, much, thanks. You got it. Thank thanks, you all. Trey. thanks. Ooh, a lot of honey on that.
3: A lot of honey on that. Like honeysuckle. Wow. Mm. God, I wish I had the other one to taste next to it. I
0: have it at home. I forgot to bring it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow, <laughs> this That's is good delicious. though. It's, yeah, appreciate. It. It's got
3: a lot of texture to it.
0: It does. It doesn't even. It kind of tastes like our a regular single malt, but it has so much more brightness to it and. The wine's like, it almost smells like a Chardonnay, in a way.
3: Wow. Well, That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Cheers. 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 Yeah. Well, thanks again, Trey.
0: appreciate you it. You got it. Yeah. I know you. why we're all appreciate standing, it. but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cheers, because we're getting kicked out of the room. Pretty much. Pretty much. Well, thanks again, and thanks for making great whiskey. You got it. Thank, Thank you,
3: Trey. Cheers. Enjoyed it. Cheers.